When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember to hit the like button for me because every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans, and it takes about a fraction of a second to get it done. It is the single biggest thing that you can do to help me out. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the show Monday night. One of the, actually, I'm thinking about it right now, two Monday nights left for us to do this show without Monday night football playing in the background because we do not have NFL games this week. Uh, it won't be until next week that the Cowboys play the New York Giants. And we also have a Thursday night football game with the kickoff. And then finally, to, uh, I mean, after this Monday and another Monday, we'll be getting finally Monday night football. And, you know, it's a cool experience to be talking to you guys while we're also kind of all of us watching the game at the same time. So that is one thing that I miss. I'm excited about it. I really am. So welcome everyone into the show. Uh, Paul says, you are late again. Paul, have you never seen The Lord of the Rings? Have you never listened to what Gandalf has to say to Bilbo Baggins? You need to watch, you, you need to, you need to watch The Lord of the Rings, my man. Chalk says, final roster cuts tomorrow. That is Right, ladies and gentlemen, but we already have a few of them, right? We already have three cuts that have come in through the wire. And by the way, I've seen Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News report them all. So shout out to him because he is doing a fantastic job at the cut down deadline, pretty much as always. Uh, Princeton, no, no, not Princeton fan, excuse me. Seth Green, tight end, one of the cuts. Uh, Alec Lindstrom. Another one of the cuts. And there was also, trying to remember right now, Van Venagu, you know, the veteran defensive end that the Cowboys had brought in to, to provide like a camp body, honestly. <laughs> if anything, Mo, you are a hobbit. Hey, listen, that, that's probably right. That is, I'm definitely not Gandalf's height. So I'll take it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, into the show. Let's get right to it. Uh, few cuts are in. Yes, sir. Tomorrow, by tomorrow night, we will be reacting to the 53-man roster. In the meantime, if you guys are curious, you can check out uh, Sunday's show where we talked about the Trey Lance trade, but we also dove into my roster projection in case you are interested in all of that. You can still do it. Uh, I don't believe that we've gotten any major news that really impacts my prediction personally. And tonight, 
will take a step forward and not only look at the 53-man roster as we did yesterday, but we're also going to talk about the practice squad and some of the things to watch out for. And I'm going to give you my prediction, which, spoiler alert and disclaimer at the same time, I'm going to be extremely wrong when it comes to the practice squad. I always expect to be wrong when it comes to the roster because there's so many details that we can lose sight of. Trying to predict the practice squad, man, is crazy work. I know that it's, it's almost like a mock draft. Obviously not as crazy, but you know what I mean. First, though, before we get into any of that, though, let's talk a little bit more about Trey Lance. Uh, yesterday's show, and again, if you really want to dive into the meaning behind the Trey Lance trade and what I, why I think they nailed it and all of that, you can do that on last night's show. One of the biggest takeaways, though, from Sunday was what should be obvious yet isn't. And we broke it down in several parts to really get to the bottom of it. Trey Lance is not here to put any sort of pressure on <clears throat> any sort of pressure on Dak Prescott. It's not leverage for the Cowboys, even though you could maybe stretch it and maybe try to make it seem as such. I think it's honestly nothing but a guy that they want to develop. Keep in mind, Dak Prescott is 30 years old, so you can already kind of start with that feeling of, you know what, some of this... Uh, Sorry, I got lost with a comment here really quickly. I just want to get into it. Sorry about that uh, brain fart there. I lost my train of thought. But Gregory says, Mo, I read your article tonight, but you never mentioned Jay Lewis. Is he making the 53? And Toxic says, I think that Mo assumes he's a pup. I actually decided for my 53-man roster to assume that he's making the 53 until we learn otherwise. Because... It doesn't seem like it is a fact that he's going there. I think that, for example, Josh Ball is expected to start on the on an injured list. I'm not sure about Jordan Lewis though, so I've got I've got Jordan Lewis actually making it. Uh, but sorry about that. Circling back to the Trey Lance situation here, not leverage. Uh, they want to develop somebody. Keep in mind, Dak Prescott is 30 years old, so not a bad idea to get a 23 year old on the room that you can start developing just in case, not because you want to move on from Dak Prescott or anything like that, but just as a developmental guy. And again, during the draft process, we thought that the Cowboys could draft somebody and that, that didn't come to fruition. Now you're getting somebody with better trades than whatever you would get at the fourth round. And sure, you're also, you're only getting two years off his contract, but still it's pretty much a first-round talent at a discount that the Cowboys got. So, again, no worries for Dak Prescott. That's what we kind of concluded last night. But one question that is worth asking is, can Trey Lance win the quarterback to job? Now, I'll say this before I pose the question to you guys in the chat. If we're talking about week one, there is no way in hell that Trey Lance is QB2. It's just not going to happen because Cooper Rush knows the offense. He's been around and Trey Lance just got to Dallas, so it wouldn't make sense at all. But here's my question from me to you. By half 
by the half mark of the season, yes or no, do you think Trey Lance could be the backup quarterback to Dak Prescott? Let me know in the chat what do you think about that because that's maybe a more interesting conversation. Week one, there is no way. It isn't a possibility, obviously, because it's going to take time. But I want to really dive into this conversation and say, can Trey Lance be the backup quarterback of the Cowboys, yes or no, at the half of this season? Let me know in the chat. What do you think about that? I'm intrigued to seeing some of your answers, ladies and gentlemen, tonight. Uh, obviously, Cooper Rush has been around for a while, and the Cowboys coaching staff res respects him a lot. Uh, they've seen him win five starts out of six. Of course, that has to do with big-time performances from the defense, and it doesn't have a lot to do with Cooper Rush beyond the fact that he took care of the football in most of those games. The one that he did not take care of the football ended up being the one that they lost massively against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they did have some chances to make a comeback and everything, but, you know, ugly game for the Cowboys last year when they went into Philadelphia and lost there with Cooper Rush quarterbacking the Cowboys. Now, Trey Lance presents to you a possibility of somebody who could be way better than what Cooper Rush is as a quarterback. But bottom line, right now, I'm saying no. By the midpoint of the season, I'm not betting on Cooper, on excuse me, Trey Lance to beat out Cooper Rush for the backup quarterback job. And when we really start putting it into that perspective, it really makes the whole Dak Prescott narrative look extremely foolish. I want to read your comments, and then I'm going to get into my own reasoning of why I don't think that Trey Lance can win the backup quarterback job by uh, halfway through the season. Let's see, though, what you guys have to say, though. Rambo goes with no. Toxic Tom says, Trevin Dallas taking Ginger's backup job? Absolutely not. Lance says, minus any crazy injuries, no. And I'm going to circle back to that because Lance is on to something there. Let's see here. Bruce says, I don't know, man. It feels more like a red shirt year. Gilbert says, maybe in two years. No for Russell over at Facebook. But there will be three to four plays that they will use him in the red zone, no doubt, a week. I'm also going to circle back to that. Let's circle back to that because I'm not sure about that. And, and, and we'll get into why. But that's a fun, fun uh, comment, Russell. Uh, Russell Vanderpool says, no. Jared goes with not likely. We've got a lot of, hey, we've got a lot of enlightened fans here on the show, and I'm proud of that. Uh, nobody's pressuring Dak, says Roland. Oh, completely in agreement with Roland. How fun is it that we're talking about Trey Lance versus Cooper Rush and many shows in national media are going to be talking about Trey Lance versus Dak Prescott. It kind of gives you an idea as to how crazy the world can get sometimes. Now, 2024, Lance says, another story. Let's get into it. I agree with you guys saying that, no, halfway through the season is going to be way too early for Trey Lance to push for Cooper Rush's job. The reason is not only that the Cowboys like Cooper Rush, and they like him enough to 
hold him for the entirety of week three of the preseason, by the way. Let's not underrate that. Uh, sure, they were a class act of an organization by letting Will Greer show out in the preseason finale, even though when they even though they knew already that Will Greer was not a part of their plans. But I don't think that there's a lot of NFL teams out there resting the backup quarterback. You know, the Cowboys, I understand not playing starters. I think that's not uncommon. There are a lot of teams that take on a similar path in the preseason. But not playing your QB2 is unexpected. And that goes to show you just how sold they are on Cooper being their backup quarterback for 2023. But I'm also going to make this a lot about Trey Lance. Last night, I showed you a clip of how powerful Trey Lance's arm was, of how talented it is, and what the entire hype is about when it comes to the former San Francisco 49ers third overall pick. However, and I don't have the clips ready for you, but Trey Lance also has some ugly clips from this preseason even. Shout out to JTO Sullivan. In my opinion, one of the best YouTube channels out there. The quarterback's cool. He had a breakdown of Trey Lance's preseason week two in which he shows a play where he sit, uh, where he's showing a sit route from, from Trey Lance's target in the play. And, you know, they're running mirror routes to each side of the field and then just a sit route over the ball, get over the ball, turn to the quarterback. And that's the first read of the play as JTO Sullivan breaks it down. The linebacker is breaking towards the ball. He is clearly the guy in coverage. It's a big no-no for Trey Lance. Still makes the throw. And as JT explains it, the throw is so bad and the decision is so poor that the linebacker does not have a shot of intercepting the football because he's way too early to where the route is. So he... It's just a terrible read from Trey Lance. And it's not an isolated incident. These kind of wild, erratic decisions show up consistently towards Trey Lance's state, especially in this preseason where it's, uh, when he should be nailing all of this, honestly, right in year two of his career, although more on that later too. Because since the moment that he was drafted, Trey Lance was supposed to take time. Maybe not this much time, but he was supposed to, to take time. And then injuries got involved. Circumstances kept him off the field too over there in San Francisco. So it makes sense that Trey Lance is just taking the field and not playing quarterback the right way. He can make some wild throws, and he does. And, and you know, he... Every once in a while, we'll show why he was drafted that high, why people considered him a first-round talent, and why some people said, man, if developed properly, this guy could be one of the best QBs in the NFL. We understand all of that, but you also have to understand he's way too far from being that. And so if you're spending a fourth-round draft pick to get him and you've got two years on his contract, because this could be a way too different story if he didn't have two years left on his deal. Because uh, what I was going to say is, somebody already said it in the chat, you probably want this to be a red shirt year 
for Trey Lance. You probably want to be overly patient with Trey Lance because sure, he's got the tools, he's got all of that, but he really needs a fresh start. Still 23 years old. We said this last night. There were two, uh, three quarterbacks, by the way, correction, I said two last night, but there were three quarterbacks under 23 years old in this NFL draft. And they were the first three quarterbacks of the board. Tanner McKee, Max Duggan, Aiden O'Connell, all of those had 23 years old or more. So Trey Lance could very well be somebody that was just getting into the, the NFL, right? So I really think that at this point, Trey Lance is not even gunning for the backup job at a quarterback. I think it's about redshirting uh, him a little bit and just giving him time. And then in 2024, with the knowledge of Mike McCarthy's offense and knowing whatever he can bring to the table, then you can have a conversation about him being QB2 and getting him on the field a little bit more. Uh, Marcus Davis, I understand this point of view from Marcus, and I respect it. I'm going to say this. Marcus says, this Trey Lance talk is pointless. He is just a project at practice for now. Nothing more than that. I respect it. I understand where the comment is coming from. But come on. We, we, we know. We know why we're talking about it. First and foremost, this thing happened on Friday. And there's no games being played this, this week or anything like that. We talked about the roster last night. We're going to talk about the practice squad later. It makes sense to attack this story from different angles. Because, yes, he's a project, but also he's a former third overall draft pick. And he is somebody with A-plus traits. He's not just any project. And he doesn't play just any position, you know? So I understand, uh, Marcus, I understand your comment. But there is a little bit more than, than him being just a project at practice. And I think that's natural. And I think that's fair. And it's fair to treat it as such, honestly. Ha having said all of that, having said all of that, when the season starts and once this whole thing is done, it won't make sense to be talking about him, right? But somebody did say earlier on the show, uh, and, and we had two comments that I wanted to circle back to. One of them was about Trey Lance being used in certain plays on game day. Somebody asked me last night too that, hey, could he have some sort of Taysom Hill thing going on? I don't think that will be uh, happening, guys, during the season. I'm trying to find a comment here really quickly because somebody said that they could use him in, so, in some place, but the emergency QB rule, if he is QB3 indeed, the emergency QB rule would not allow him to play. And what I mean by that is there's this new rule in the NFL where you can carry your usual 53 players on the roster. And if you happen to have three quarterbacks on that 53-man roster, then the third quarterback can suit up and be ready to go on game day without counting towards the active player limit that you have every Sunday. And with that, I mean that 
out of your 53 players, you can play a maximum of 48 on game day. That's why we have inactive lists. And that's why even when you don't have injuries, you have inactive players that do not suit up for the game. The quarterback can be an quote-unquote inactive player, but be an emergency QB that can only enter the field if the number one and the number two guy are injured. That means that if the three of them are suited up and the Cowboys are using the emergency rule, which in my opinion, it would be dumb not to be using it because I would much rather have somebody else active than Trey Lance for a couple of trick plays. Personally, I don't think that Trey Lance will be available to enter any game unless he gets the QB2 treatment, which I would I would doubt that they will go down that route. Now, somebody else also said, unless there's some sort of crazy injuries, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to play Trey Lance. That's the main thing, too, about the backup job. The Cowboys are looking to win a Super Bowl, and they have a top-tier defense to do it. So if that goes down for one game or two, three games, something like that, or even five like last year, you probably want Cooper Rush in there because that would be the Cowboys just betting on their defense to win ball games. And the key to do that, to doing that last year was taking care of the football. And that's what Cooper Rush did. Trey Lance has shown you that he will make the mistakes. He will look terrible out there decision-making wise often and then that can really take the ball game out of the defense's hands i don't expect lance to be getting any sort of playing time honestly this year unless and you know that's what i was going to get to if it is a longer term injury and knock on wood as always but if it happens for any sort of reasons and again i'm gonna knock on wood because once is not enough but then I could see the Cowboys saying like, eh, F it, let's get Lance in there. Like it wouldn't shock me if it came to that. However, I don't see, I don't see it happening any other way. So as Jerry Jones said earlier in the week or actually over the weekend, it, it's, it's just not something that you want to see in 2023, Trey Lance playing football for the Cowboys. Now Lance says 2024 will be his time. If it goes according to plan, and if this gamble pays off for the Cowboys, then you have a much better backup quarterback to Dak Prescott in the future, and that is cool. That is cool. Let's see, guys, some of your comments, though, before we get to the practice squad here. What if Mike is not the coach, is not the coach next year, says Richard? Oh, <clears throat> that would be disappointing, I guess, because that would mean you had a bad, bad season. I think so. Maybe Lance could be the Cowboys' Jimmy G trade bait, says Lance. Could they flip him? Hey, probably. That would be so cool to see, too. Like, can you flip him for a third rounder next year? <laughs> that would be crazy. Shout out to, oh, Sean, Sean, Sean. Sean says, wait, when did this happen? Sean, if you didn't know about the Trey Lance trade, then, then you were probably very confused right now, and I would understand that. Happened on Friday. The Cowboys sent a fourth-round draft pick to the 49ers for Trey Lance. Isidro says, love your 53-man projection, Mo. 
My strong opinion is that Hunter Lipke has to make the active roster. He has uncommon trades and he won't clear waivers. I'm I'm afraid of Hunter Lipke not clearing waivers, and it's a tough one. But but uh it feels to me like every single year, man, every single year we think that is the case. <laughs> hey, hey, don't 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 bully Sean that way in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Toxic Tom is saying Sean just found out about COVID too. Hey, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> Shout out to Sean too. I'm glad that you're here though. Uh, if you want to rewind it to hear more about Trey Lance or check out Sunday's show, you're gonna get more more details on it. Uh, Sean, don't let them don't let them bully you, man. <laughs> he says just working two jobs, free time goes to showering, eating, and playing Diablo Four. <laughs> I haven't played Diablo, not gonna lie, even though I love uh, video games. Hey, Richard, Richard, he says great show, love your content. I am a new listener. Cheers, uh, Richard. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, let's get to Isidro's comment here, though. Sorry. He, he mentioned Hunter Lipke not clearing waivers. Doesn't I think that every single team has these guys. Like, every team has somebody that won't clear waivers. And for the most part, they do. Could Hunter Lipke be an exception to that rule? He could be. And one of the main reasons why I would say that is he was one of the most expensive players in undrafted free agency these years. So, you know, teams want him, but then every team gets their UDFA class and every team teaches them their offense or defense or whatever it is during the off season, during phase three of the off season, they're practicing, they're eating up reps they get to training camp. They're also eating reps and all of that. So I could see even Hunter Liebke, among others, making it to the 53-man roster. I worry more about, like, for example, Eric Scott Jr., who didn't make my 53-man roster projection. And one of the players that I second-guess the most because they traded up for him. When teams straight up for somebody, I think that they usually know that somebody else is onto the player, right? Like, you don't trade up just because you want to spend draft picks in order to move up. You probably know, hey, and I'm just going to make this one up, but, like, the Patriots might like Eric Scott Jr. because we heard this or that. Uh, we know that they have a scout that likes him, something like that. And, and maybe that's why you're interested in moving up but at this late in the year, I just feel like every every time we go through this and we think that they're going to get stolen away, but this is the reason why it's tough to steal these players away is you can only claim them if you want them on your rosters. You cannot claim them for your own practice squad. He's got to go on your 53. So... He's got to take a valuable spot and you don't know if he's going to understand whatever you're trying to do, which is why I think so many of these guys do not go claimed on, on waivers. So 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the practice squad prediction here. For context purposes, this is my defense. You know, we went over it quickly last night. So four defensive tackles went short there. At edge rusher, I had Isaiah Land missing the cut, unfortunately, even though I wanted him so bad on the team. Linebackers, I've got Harper making it. Uh, I've got Cox making it, but in jello because I'm not sure about him at all. It just seems like he, he you need to carry a fourth linebacker, even if Marquise Bell from the safeties is helping out. So have him making it at a cornerback, which is a very tough one. I have Lewis and Joseph making it. CJ Goodwin being a roster gymnastics cut. So I have him going on the practice squad. And then six safeties, because we know that they like Juan J. Thomas and Marquise Bell would be helping out with linebackers. So carrying six safeties is not necessarily what it sounds like. You're not going super heavy on the position. It's just versatile guys with even Easy Mukwamu counting as one of those. Uh, Jaron Kears as well. So anyways, just want to add some context to my prediction. And then on offense... No Hunter Liebke for me. Unfortunately, I tried hard to get him in there. Did have a sixth wide receiver, Jalen Brooks, seven-round draft pick. Could also miss a cut, in my opinion, even though he seems to have established himself as the sixth best guy. Do the Cowboys may want to go short at wide out? We'll find out. Hunter Liebke does not make it, which means Sean McKeon does make it at tight end. I just feel like they like him a little bit better as a pass catcher, and we've seen a little bit more from him as a blocker too because we have not seen Hunter Liebke as a fullback all that much, and we kind of expected him to. So we might be a little bit wrong about how the Cowboys look at him in the first place. An offensive line, nine guys in it. It's tough to carry more than five guys. Yeah, more than nine guys, excuse me, in the offensive line. Josh Ball likely to start on Pup, in my opinion. Uh, so TJ Voss makes the cut over him in my projection. Uh, Asim Richards, absolute luck. And then Matt Farniak makes the roster because he's the one guy that can play center other than Tyler Vyadish and Huffman. And I do think they like Farniak a little bit better than they do Huffman. So that's the context. That is the context before we get into the practice squad. I know that there is going to be disappointments there uh, in the chat and I respect it and disagreements and I also respect it. We can talk about it. So here is my 16-man practice squad prediction, ladies and gentlemen. This one was actually the first slide. I've got Big Isaac making the practice squad and let me say this really quickly, man. It's not just because I like him. It's not just because he's the guy that I've been rooting for years now. And it's not, it's, it's for the most part, I'm guessing on this practice one, uh, man prediction. This one is, let's say, 5% more than a guess. Isaac Alarcon making the practice squad there for the Cowboys, right? But still, I guess, do not get me wrong, not trying to say anything, uh, but an educated guess. Errol Bostic, undrafted free agent, one of their most expensive undrafted free agents uh, with Hunter Lipke, also making the practice squad for me. I've got Hunter in there. I've got Bohana just as a potential practice squad call-up 
when the going gets tough. I've got Tyrus Wet making the squad, uh, and I think that won't be a surprise for many UDFA that can play edge rusher and linebacker. Uh, he's somebody that could have stolen a spot on the roster following Overshone's injury, but I think he's not there yet. I saw a land, one of the ones that really makes me suffer. I would love to carry him on the roster, but it's tough. It's tough to make it happen. Uh, so I've got Isaiah Land going to the waivers and us sweating it out a little bit there and then him getting in there. Uh, Malik Jefferson for linebacker depth purposes. I wouldn't be surprised if if Jefferson makes it to him. Eric Scott Jr., one of the toughest cuts that I did. Uh, I'm assuming that he makes it too. And then some other names here, Miles Brooks, CJ Goodwin. And this would be a immediate call-up or signing for week two, something like that. But uh, CJ Goodwin is nothing but a roster gymnastics move for me. He's going to be a part of this team. I don't have doubts about that. I've got two wideouts here, young ones that these, these are really spots for any wideout. Like it could be Moreno Cropper, but it could also be Simi Fajoko. It could also be Dennis Houston. I went with Moreno Cropper and Ontario Drummond. For this particular exercise, Princeton fan, the undrafted free agent tight end, forgot the asterisks denoting a UDFA there. I actually need to go back and add them in the article. Uh, Chuma Edoga, offensive lineman, Brock Hoffman, and Tyler Coyle. Tyler Coyle has actually not looked bad, but it's just a lot of safeties that the Cowboys have right now. So that is my practice squad prediction. And I think some of the biggest notes that I could have on this topic is, as I said, like I know many of these guys are guys that could be claimed. But other than that, like Chuma could be like a pup candidate, I guess, because even though he has not looked great for the Cowboys, we know that they liked him as somebody who could play guard, who could play tackle, who could both do like right tackle or, or, I mean, who could play inside and outside, excuse me. It could happen. It could it could, um, could happen that he makes it into the practice squad for depth purposes. I'm going to be honest with you, though. You look at this practice squad, and boy, are these Cowboys talented, man. Like, how many of these guys could have made the team? This is a very solid roster that the Cowboys have right now, and we're kind of overlooking it, in my opinion. But my surprise member here is Isaac. Not even going to lie. I had my doubts that I would include him on my practice squad. And, you know, I'm always trying to find uh, fight my own biases and everything, so I kind of went like, hey, listen, he's just... The thing about Isaac, man, is he's not there not close to being there he's learning the position but i still think that although some people will say that it's marketing and all of that which i really believe is not fair to say at all they the fact that they brought him back for a fourth year when he was no longer an international player or not only had that ex exemption is very meaningful Dan Quinn did say in a press conference, he's worth the time and the investment. That was the exact words coming out of Dan Quinn's mouth. And you go 
put together this 16-man practice squad, and there's just room for somebody like Isaac. I really think there is some room for him and just continue to bet on his upside. He's still pretty young because he got to Dallas pretty young. So you could still bet on his development. And the guy's just a freakish athlete. So the Cowboys have a freakish athlete that can play defensive line or learning to play defensive line. And he also played offensive line in the past. So some a couple of things that I want to say about Isaac, some positive things are his explosion out of his stance was a surprise to me this preseason. I did not expect him to be that explosive out of his stance. And one of the biggest challenges that, that, that he was facing, and I talked to his private coach about it, Brandon Tucker, earlier in the year. You guys remember that show. Tucker was, uh, Coach Tucker was concerned, not concerned, but he did say like the biggest challenge will be the pad level. That will be the biggest challenge for Isaac, really getting those pads low. If you look at the tape, and he's doing that in many of those reps. I think right now the biggest problem for him is hand usage, you know, winning that battle with the hands. And I'll also say the awareness of some of the situations that he is going to go through at defensive tackle where you're facing double teams, they're sliding towards you. Instincts is what Dan Quinn called them. I think they're still high on Isaac. I think he makes this uh, practice squad, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see here. Uh, oh, yes. Travis asks. I think it was Travis. Wait. Travis, I believe, asked, uh, is overshown on IR? And Sean also asked about overshown potentially being done for the year. Yes, I would assume. I would assume overshown is going on IR. I really do. Steven says, to be thrown so easily at that size surprised me, number 60. Oh, come on, Steven. Really like Hunter, says Lance Vale. He was explosive because he had a cake, says Toxic. He really was explosive, man. I, I think, hey, I think Isaac is making it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, John Jones, though, shout out to you, sir. John Jones has been a member of the ADZ Sports Dallas channel for nine months now. We appreciate you, man. Thank you for being here. Clayton says, how can you leave Malik Davis off the 53-man roster? Says Clayton. It's tough. I'm not going to say that it isn't tough, but hey, it's, uh, it is what it is, right? Deuce Vaughn and Rico Dowdle were not playing offense in week three of the preseason, so... That kind of tells you those three. That, that is your top three. It's Tony Pollard, it's Rika Dowdle, and it's Deuce Vaughn. Because they did not play. And Malik Davis played a lot. And then Hunter Lipke went out and had himself a game. So it's tough to carry four running backs. And if you decided to carry Hunter Lipke as your fourth running back, you would be getting something different from him. If you're get Malik Davis on the team, are you really getting something different as compared to Dowdle and or Deuce? Not very easy, but uh, he was one of the tough cuts. 
So that's why. That's why. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, I just wanted to really go through very quickly a rookie rundown and kind of end the preseason this way. Uh, we always love to hear about the the rookies and the draft class and everything, and I'm actually opening up the draft class for the Cowboys to make sure that I don't miss anybody. But this is a rookie rundown, okay? First round draft pick, Masi Smith. This guy is obviously making the team, right? And he showed us some signs of optimism after we were riding him off after week two of the preseason. And I'm obviously exaggerating here, but he might not be the starter right away. Uh, Jonathan Hankins might be your top nose tackle to start the year, but he's going to get involved. Masi is definitely going to get involved. Uh, second rounder, Luke Schoonmaker. We hoped he could challenge Jake Ferguson for the starting job. That is in the rearview mirror. Uh, Jake Ferguson is tight end one through and through. Uh, but I will say Schoonmaker, I expect him to play a lot. Obviously, we know about 12 personnel. We know that they are going to like to use two tight ends on the field a lot of the time. But one thing that has stood out from Schoonmaker is that dude can block. And... He really did a good job blocking this preseason. There were some plays. There were some, uh, in particular, there were some reach blocks that you wanted to get from the outside to the inside and kind of seal off the defenders where he didn't get there necessarily, especially week one. But how about that Malik Davis big gainer versus the Raiders where it's a pitch to the left and there's a Sam Richards and Schoonmaker pulling in the play, and, for, and and you got Schoonmaker just getting to his man. Uh, the Deuce Vaughn run versus Seattle, where he spins and everything into the end zone. Big time block for Luke Schoonmaker there. So I'm, I'm telling you, man, uh, the Cowboys are going to find a way to get Schoonmaker on the field. But Ferguson, tight end one, no questions asked. Third rounder, the Marvin Overshone. This sport can suck sometimes. It really can. Man, Overshone, when he was drafted, I was like, special teams, ace, let's go. Not going to be playing defense a lot. He made me question that in the preseason. He was exploding from sideline to sideline. He was exploding to the flat. Ironically, got injured uh, that way. So, you know, a uh, tough break for him. Fourth rounder, Bilam Fehoko took us a time to see him. Looks very explosive. I'm really excited about Fehoko. He's going to be a rotational player playing inside and outside. Asim Richards, fifth rounder, exceeded expectations for me at left tackle. I don't know that he can be your swing, but at the left side, the guy looks comfortable, especially in pass pro. Asim Richards, huge surprise for me. And I already mentioned that run, but like him pulling and getting to the block in the, uh, versus the linebacker, good stuff from a Sim Richards this preseason. No doubt about it. Uh, Eric Scott Jr., sixth rounder, they traded up for him. In my opinion, a path, a, a very tough path to the roster. How Eric Scott Jr. can get on the team is the Cowboys moving on from Kelvin Joseph. In my opinion, 
Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, the cornerback room is. It's the one that I've been second guessing myself on. This is how I had it for my 53 projection. Uh, the reason why I don't like this one, though, is I've got three nickel cornerbacks in there. And I kind of don't like that, but also if one of my starting outside cornerbacks goes down, I know that I'm likely going to kick Bland outside and have somebody else take nickel. So that's why I'm comfortable carrying Lewis and Joseph in this scenario. But I, I, I assume Joseph could be out and Scott Jr. could be in. I just don't want Scott Jr. playing anytime soon because he's not ready for it. So tough call in the projection there, but uh, that's why I believe Scott Jr. has a tough time making it to the team. Uh, Deuce Vaughn went from being a almost certain member of the roster to not playing in week three of the offseason, so of the preseason. So that's cool. Jalen Brooks, I would have thought that he was going to be cut earlier in the year. If the Cowboys carry a sixth man wide receiver, though, he's likely gonna be it. So it's either Jalen Brooks, number six, in my opinion, versus say, a seventh edge rusher or a fourth running back or a fifth linebacker, whatever it is. Jalen Brooks, I don't think he's fighting Hoko, Houston, Drummond, or any of those guys anymore. I think that it's Brooks that has the upper hand. And then out of the UDFAs, just to get this show over with, out of the UDFAs, you've got TJ Voss making it, in my opinion. Hunter Lipke, strong chance. I don't have him in my projection, but it is a strong chance for him. Isaiah Land, strong, oh man, strong chance, I want to say, but I mean, for a UDFA under that context, because Land did his thing. It's just that the Cowboys have too many edge rushers right now. So I'm going to say Isaiah Land, but it's tough. It's a tough one. Uh, Tyrus Wet not making it, but you likely want him on the practice squad. Errol Bostic, too. Uh, Daryl Johnson, Miles Brooks, Jalen Moreno, Cropper, all of these guys kind of like had their moments, but they're more practice squads than, than anything else. David Durden out for the year. Princeton Fant and D'Angelo Mandel had their moments, but none of them really making that big-time push for the roster. Overall, though, Pretty strong rookie class, if you look at it right now. It's obviously way too early to judge, but you got to be excited. You got to be excited about where things are headed. Let's see some of your comments before we get out of here. Man, at what moment did it became almost 9 p.m.? What? It's crazy. I want to binge on Star Wars Rebels tonight because... I need to start watching Osaka, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I missed last week's show because, ah, oh, damn. Anyways, Jay Lewis needs to go back in the game, says Gregory, hoping that he is back soon. Let's see here. The cards are tanking, so these cut guys will get picked up, says Lance. Isaiah Simmons would have been fun. Mo, you are wrong, says Iceberg. Hunter Lipke makes the team. Not going to lie, Iceberg, he's one of the guys that has me second-guessing myself. Had to fight my own recency bias there. And a numbers game 
didn't work out for me. So I, I think the Cowboys risk it. Toxic says, Mo, completely random question. Should the NFL, like the MLB, award a team an extra draft pick if they have a rookie win the Rookie of the Year award? No. I'm going to go with no. Hey, Major League Baseball has such a different draft dynamic. Like, these are not players that are getting to the majors right away. They've got their whole farm system, all of that. So I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to say no to that because I think it's more immediate, the impact of these draft picks. So no, I'm going to say no. But it would be fun. It would be fun. I think you would have to make it like a fifth rounder or a sixth rounder or something like that, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on the show, though. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into tonight's primetime episode. Thank you for choosing to listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you. Hit the like button for me, and I will see you tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Big show, because man, we're gonna have a 53 and roster to talk about. We're gonna have cuts to talk about and much more. So tune in tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Nos vemos el día de mañana. Hasta luego. Muchas gracias. Bye bye.